VOCM presents Open Line. The opinions expressed on this show are not necessarily those of the station. And now your host, Patty Daly. Well, no Patty again. As I mentioned, he is on vacation for the week. It is Tim Powers here with you. Glad to be back. Glad to be here all this week. Uh, Rogers and God willing, I will uh, be doing that. And uh, yesterday we had a lot of discussion about all the things that people are working through at the moment, from internet and wireless shortages to health care challenges. You just heard Brian talk about the emergency room at the health sciences. Uh, there is so much going on but let me start and I don't want to be too crotchety angry cranky today I know that makes for good radio and people will call so I got to do a bit of it but that's not normally my disposition but I have to say when I was uh, scrolling through different websites this morning looking for you know different things to talk about today and help uh, drive some of the discussion I came across an editorial by the Globe and Mail now I know Hold your breath. Don't go foaming and and raging. Listen for a second. The Globe and Mail, you know, it, it is a respectable paper. Anyway, editorial course is an opinion, but I loved the headline of this morning's editorial. From airlines to hospitality, not to hospitals, not much working in Canada this summer. From airlines to hospitals, not much working in Canada this summer. Boy, they got that right. And I just wrote a list of the things that I know are not working as well as they could be. And the list keeps growing. I'm sure it'll grow by the end of the day. But you know, let's look at a few things as we are tiptoeing into a new stage of COVID or out of the last one. Well, there is the airlines. Immigration and passport office. Have you tried to fly anywhere and not had a, try to go f uh, on a foreign trip with a pa expired passport? Well, good luck to you. You may as well wait till 2023 because that office is not working the way it should be at the moment. The healthcare system, and we'll get into that more in a moment. Emergency rooms, wireless internet, inflation. Got some good news for you on that front. No, I'm being extremely sarcastic here. Tomorrow, it seems like, according to experts, uh, that the interest rate is going to rise again. So if you have a variable mortgage, um, you're going to be paying more when that interest rate rises again. Not like it was, you know, 10, 15, 20 or 20 years ago, 30 years ago. But nonetheless, everything matters uh, at the moment and each additional cost piles up. Continuing the wonderful list of things that aren't working, labor shortages. Uh, have If you've listened to anybody from any business talk, nobody is telling you they're flush with employees right now. They are trying their best to get people. Every business owner that I talk to, that is the number one thing that comes to the fore. Just can't find employees. A lot of that is linked to immigration. A lot of that could be linked to people's concern about the health care system and going back to work in COVID. And of course, that leads us to COVID. Uh, there's a report from um, a researcher at the University of Toronto that's out now that suggests uh, they've developed, I should say, what they've developed first before I tell you what it suggests, they have developed a, an index to track COVID and they say Newfoundland has the highest index of COVID per capita at the moment. Uh, we don't have a 
data from the province, uh, current data from the province to know how accurate that data is. So I want to be responsible in all of that. And we're going to talk to Dr. Fitzgerald uh, sometime this week to get an update on, on where things stand. But whether that data is accurate or not, I think we're all aware that there is a new wave. Some provinces are in it. They tell us we're in one here in Ontario. And it comes from COVID variant BA5. So, yeah, that, you know, that's just a small list. And just about everything there touches you. So you go to the grocery store, go to fill up your car, you're paying more. Not a great summer. Trying to fly to visit your relatives or have somebody come home who we haven't seen for two and a half years, good luck. Um, and God forbid you need to go to an emergency room. That's tough. Uh, it's uh, look at many places in um, in rural outport Newfoundland, and I use the old term outport Newfoundland because I fondly remember many of the outports and have been to many of them with my family over the years. And uh, look at Bonavista, a story yesterday. Uh, it puts a big sign up up front to tell you whether the hospital's open. I believe I saw a report that said four other emergencies in central Newfoundland were not working yesterday. But to be fair, and just so you understand, it's not just a Newfoundland problem. Down the road here, about an hour down the road, in a town called Perth, which is about the size of Gander, their emergency room hasn't been open for 10 days. 10 days. And Perth, as I say, size of Gander, it's a big community. There are lots of Newfoundlanders there. People who come to Ottawa often travel up to Perth to look around, go see the Rideau Locks and all of that. 10 days. So I don't know if it makes you feel better to know that you're not alone, but this is a major Canadian problem. And the premiers, as Brian said in his newscast, are meeting in Victoria, two-day meeting where, again, health care funding is at the top of the list. Now, let me be sarcastic for one more moment. Easier for me to be sarcastic than outright bitter, but here I go. Every summer, the premiers will tell us they need more health care funding. They've cried wolf so often, uh, it's getting hard to believe the call, except the stories we're telling you today. And every media outlet in the country is telling you about emergency rooms and doctor shortages and the like are in the face of every federal politician. The premiers say they want $28, million, $28 billion more annually to help address some of the shortfalls and service shortfalls. The federal government says, well, we just gave you a whack of money through COVID. I think they suggest um, last year it was or over COVID, I should say. Don't know when they start the clock and end the clock. It was $72 billion. Premiers say that's not recurring investment. That was for this. Great. Thanks. You need to do more. They're fighting over dollars and you're worried about service and nothing seems to be moving quickly. Justin Trudeau has said he hears the premiers, but he hasn't met with them. He's told them he will meet with them on health care funding. Federal government sources, according to um, a couple of mainstream media outlets, the CBC and the Globe and Mail, have said the $28 billion a year ask is just not going annual increase a year is not going to fly. Again, if you're in Bonavista, you're in Perth, you're you're in St. John's even. <laughs> this has got to be utterly, utterly frustrating. At home here in Newfoundland and Labrador, the government is undergoing and has just received a report looking to operationalize it, transformation in the healthcare system. And it's going to involve tough choices. We see stories emerging of uh, communities that, as you would expect, are fighting to hold on to what they have. Can this mess be resolved in any satisfactory way on a 
quick basis to allay your concerns. You've got stories, you've got problems, you've got issues. Call us and talk to us this morning. But I want to hear some solutions. Every time I have this conversation, you know, Mayor X and Mayor Y doing their job saying this service can't go from my community, can't go from uh, can't, can't go from this community, but it could maybe go from there. We're all going to have to come to the table here. And we all know the issue of doctor shortages and how we're going to have to address that. Provinces are getting more competitive in, in, in their process. It's a mess. And I don't envy public policymakers across the country. It's not just going to be $28 billion more a year to solve this. Because guess what? You're going to be paying for that in some form of taxes uh, or other fee, likely, if the government, federal government invests more. Um, you're always going to pay taxes and fees. Anyway, that's not a new thing. But, you know, 28, let's just say Justin Trudeau said, you know what, you can have $28 billion uh, premiers today. Do you think that's going to change anything in the emergency rooms now? No, it's not. Many say our service delivery models all screwed up. It is. But I know, I know if you're sitting at home, you're sitting at home, you've got an injury, you're waiting for health care, you've come to expect some level of service that isn't even as good as it once was, and it's never been that good, arguably, depending who and where. Uh, it's just frustrating as hell. But anybody who tells you they can fix it immediately is selling you a bag of goods. So you got some solutions, some ideas, call. I don't just want the calls. The government sucks and they need to do more. Well, you can, well, you can say whatever the hell you want, I suppose, on the show, but let's, let's try and Dig a little bit deeper into all of this one. Now, the other great irritant. Now, this might make some of you happy. Uh, the Rogers shutdown, collapse, uh, the lack of service on Friday, and for some still continuing, of course, continues to dominate the news. Now, you might like this because guess what? If you're a Rogers customer, you might get more than the $3.80 they're apparently promising you for losing your services for a day. That's really generous, $3.80. You might get $400. That's a significant 1,000% increase there. There's a lawsuit, a class action suit, that has yet to be validated, coming out of Quebec, challenging Rogers, and, and it will benefit Rogers customers, I understand, Fido customers, and Chat R customers, as well as Quebec residents, so you don't have to be just in Quebec if you're a Rogers customer, if they're successful. The lawsuit is being launched, and again, be careful what you say against Rogers around their advertising and a failure to be truthful in their advertising because they allege Rogers ads say Canada's most reliable 5G network. And nothing says reliability like it don't work, which didn't. Uh, this cast action lawsuit being launched out of Quebec, as I say, still to get validated or verified. We'll keep watching that because uh, it could put some dollars in your pocket, maybe. But, you know, who knows what $400 is going to be worth by the time this ever gets resolved. Um, so pay attention to that. Now, the industry minister yesterday took great charge of all of this because, of course, the government and the opposition politicians all have to jump in and and. Uh, tell you they know what to do and it would be better that's their job whether you believe them or not is up to you but canada's industry minister yesterday francois philippe champagne you saw him probably dominating the news said he told major telecom companies to reach agreements on emergency roaming assist each other during outages and develop a better communications call protocol to inform canadians during emergencies 
hear the clap. I mean, yeah, great. Uh, how'd you do, federal government, on bringing down cell phone rates? Not happened. Hasn't happened. Anyway, I suppose that's a step forward if it actually means anything. The minister said you got to have this addressed in 60 days. All the companies said, well, thank you, minister. Thank you for intervening. Thank you for being helpful. We'll, we'll all work on this. Somebody, yet another one of these unnamed sources in one of the reports that I saw on this said, yeah, even if they had that, wouldn't really work. Oh, my. All very, very frustrating. But the most interesting thing that's come out of all of this, I think, and I saw a professor from Concordia University discussing it, and it was on our show yesterday, too, people arguing that proper investment had to be made by governments in, in critical infrastructure, is that wireless Internet is now critical. It's not a want anymore. It's a need. And as evidenced by the impact on business, as evidenced by the impact on hospital services, as evidenced by the impact on just social and general connectivity, this is an argument that's going to continue and going to ramp up, I think. Um, look, the government's still very involved in the telecom business, bringing broadband, as we know, uh, to remote areas because other companies won't do it. But where are you on that? What do you think the government should do here? I mean, look, <laughs> you could be a, uh, a, little, um, a little suspicious like me and say, governments don't always do a great job running things. Mm, healthcare, mm, airlines. Uh, so you want them to run the phone business too? I, I don't know. It's an important debate uh, and happy to have it here this morning. So you want to talk health care? You want to talk cable? You want to talk anything? Give us a call. I want to talk about the Pearl for a moment. Mount Pearl. Love Mount Pearl. Uh, great uh, times there in my youth playing baseball, soccer. You're a kid there now. You can't do it. Can't do it because services have been withdrawn by the municipal workers. And uh, the city of Mount Pearl has not brought them back yet or found an accord. You can pick a side. Maybe you don't want a side. I just hate, and I'm with the parents on this, seeing you know kids unable in summer if they've signed up for Mount Pearl services, baseball and soccer in particular, because I gather those are two of the central facilities. There are central facilities out there. I used to play both those sports out there. Uh, you can't do that. Like I, I know that. People think that begets action because you get irritated parents, and that might drive a solution. You probably just heard the uh, union's ad a few moments ago. They're talking about, and again, I'm sure they're valid in their arguments, that they've withdrawn services because they want greater health benefits um, and a quality of those health benefits among different categories of workers. I don't know if they're going to get them or not going to get them. Is this something that's going to beget St. John's soon? Can people afford it? Like, everybody wants benefits. People should have benefits. But can you afford it? Is now the time to do all of this? I'm trying to get Mayor Akers. I'm trying to get the head of the union on this morning to talk about this. If you're in Mount Pearl or if you have a view on this, give us a call. want to talk to you all. Anyway, there you go. I don't know how negative that was, but there's a lot going on, and a lot of it's really frustrating. There's lots of good, too. Lots of good, as you said. As I said, when I was home this weekend, it was so great to feel the positive energy of people being back together, to see tourism active, to see people out on patios, and there's enthusiasm and there's energy. But, my gosh, there's still a number of storm clouds hanging over us. So if you want to rain on the parade or inject some sunshine, open line's the place to do it. We'll be back in a moment to take your calls.
Welcome back. Uh, just a reminder, by the way, if you want to get me, Twitter at Powers Tim or open line at VOCM.com. But we love to hear your voices, and we had a lot of them yesterday. We've got a lot of calls lined up, uh, and we will uh, we will be going to those shortly. But first, um, I, staying with healthcare, I saw this gentleman quoted in a, a story. I wanted to get him on. He's the MHA for Bonavista. He's the shadow minister for fisheries, uh, and he is Craig Party. And I've talked to Craig before. Before. How are you, Craig? Tim, good morning to you. Uh, um, I, I, I got to tell you, it was, I don't know, I was probably just shocked in some ways, but impressed in another. But it, it, it's, it's the moment in which we live. Seeing that sign uh, in, out your way that tells people whether the emergency room is open or not. I suppose that is effective communications, but my oh my, what state are we in when we're using road signs to suggest and tell people whether an emergency room is open or not? I mean, Craig, tell me how what's going on in Bonavista? What is going on with the people you represent and the services they either have or don't have when it comes to health care? Well, Tim, the, uh, I use the word ominous, and yeah. I think ominous, uh, you know, it relates to the precarious situation that we find ourselves in in, in Bonavista. <clears throat> Residents don't really know whether uh, next week the emergency room will be open, which days it will be open, um, you know, when they will have the service. And I can tell you that they are very anxious and nervous about having to travel an hour and a half knowing that if they had a, a medical event that the services may not be available um, at the, the Bonavista Hospital. <clears throat> I've never seen that before where they have a sign open saying that emergency room open today. Yeah. You know, so if you think it logistically and look at that, how, how unnerving it is to know that you may have health issues and health concerns, um, to know that you may not get that service if and when you need it. And, you know, the residents of Bonavista area are genuinely and they're, they're very concerned. So what, what is the specific issue as you, or issues, Craig, uh, as you know in Bonavista? I, I've stated, Tim, before that uh, if you look at our data, uh, Quality of Healthcare uh, NL has data on Bonavista, which would state that it is a priority area. And okay. I probably don't need to repeat that, but the data is solid provincially that it is a priority area. There are medical needs in that area. But, but uh, sorry, I'm coming at it a different way. Is it, is it, the, the, is it the shortage of doctors that is the, the primary factor? Is it nurses? What, who are you missing who can't deliver the service? Well, I think overall... All of the above, okay. Tim. So no, no, the sign pertains to the emergency room. So we know we've got a chronic shortage of family physicians. we got many in Bonavista area who do not have a family physician. You know, I don't know how many are in the area now, family physicians. We may have two. Uh, wow. One probably a neighboring uh, Trinity Bay North that's part-time, I think working a couple of days a week. Uh, but that is it to serve the area, the, the 8,000 population that, we've, that we have. So the dependency on the emergency room is much the same as what you're seeing now at the Health Sciences in St. John's. Mm -hmm. So we have a, a chronic shortage of family physicians. They rely now on the emergency room, but only the signage would indicate whether they're open on a particular day. Nurses, and all of a sudden, if we know that the system is in crisis, then what do nurses do? So 
So nurses would know the emergency room are closed. They're wondering whether their employment, what their future yep. holds. And now I hear there are two or three nurses at the Bonifas Hospital who have made application for employment elsewhere. So when we look at the tentativeness and an unsettled system, what happens is that once it starts and you reach that tipping point, Tim, as you know, then all of a sudden things run away on you. And, I, and what I'm afraid of in the Bonavista area is that we don't get to that point, that tipping point where everything runs away on us and we're left with nothing. So, Craig, you, you've heard the news. You know what's happening in Victoria. Yep. I mean, it's almost a, a summer rite of passage, regardless of era that the premiers go. They get together and said, we need more money for health care. Uh, I can't think of a summer in the last 25 where that hasn't happened and not diminishing the legitimacy of the call. But let's just say they're successful and they get that $28 billion a year increase in health care funding, whatever portion comes to Newfoundland and Labrador comes to Newfoundland and Labrador, where, and again, I know you're not the shadow minister for health, but you've thought about this issue and you certainly are hearing people in Vana Vista, where do we need to prioritize spending and investment in Newfoundland and Labrador when it comes to health care? And how quickly can residents, because you manage expectations, realistically expect differences? How we operationalize a system, and I know you look at government. Government has to take responsibility to know that if you're if you're operationalizing a system, and it hits with failure, um, or you know adversity, then you know that you've really got to look at fine tuning the system that you have. If you don't know the doctors or or healthcare professionals are planning on leaving, are disenchanted, are unhappy, or you don't address that, then that is an operational issue that we would have. If we hear of physicians that all of a sudden in their last week of second year in residency um, in the in our area and don't get an offer for full-time employment um, to stay as a family physician and they opt to go out of the province, then that is an operational issue. So we really got to drill down on how we operationalize our system. And for the, you know, for the premier and the new health minister to say, call me directly, that is, that is not an answer. And I know that is, is probably a knee-jerk reaction. But what we need is we need to make sure that our operationalizing of the system is fine-tuned, that we can have the success, which is probably reported in Nova Scotia, with the recruitment of doctors that they have. So that is one thing. I look at our medical school, Tim, and there is nobody on the island would question the skill set of those mm -hmm. who come out of the medical school. Top class, world-renowned and world-class. No doubt. I fully, fully agree with you. I think most Newfoundlanders and Labradorians would agree with you. Anybody who's seen a Newfoundland and Labrador educated doctor would, uh, would tell you that. Yep. So if, if we look at it, Tim, and know that we got to come on a wish and a prayer that when they come out of the, our medical school, then whether we're going to keep them or not, why wouldn't we look at it now? Uh, they stated in the House of Assembly that everyone in the tech industry now coming out of the MUN program has got positions. But we don't hear that with the medical school. I don't know if they've been offered positions that would be those those residents that we have, the second-year residents, or, or the first year for that matter. So I look at that and say that if we invest $50 million into, um, into the medical school yearly, maybe we ought to be looking at a service agreement that would be that our, our graduates, in lieu of what, you know, what the residents have contributed, that would have a service agreement that they may go serve two years. 
you know, at a, at a spot where the service is needed in Newfoundland and Labrador. At least we've got then coverage uh, within the system. And two years may not be a stretch, five maybe, but maybe look at two years. So there are things that we can look at our system here, I think, to fine-tune it, to better operationalize it, to give it some local flavor. So we've got 8,000 residents being served by the Bonavista Hospital, but I don't know if there's one member in that 8,000 catchment area that's got uh, much involvement with the recruitment and the retention. Last question for you, uh, because, again, you're a public policymaker in the opposition side, but you you make policy, too. What? People are listening today. They're living through this. They're living through a summer of so many difficulties, as we talked about, despite the great ability to socialize that we haven't had for two years. What would you say to the residents of Bonavista about what what they should expect in terms of medical service provision, say, in the next five years, next 10 years? Is it possible to expect a better and higher level of service, or should they come to accept, you know, the system no. is being re- redesigned? No, I, I've stated on social media, and I've stated that I'm hopeful. Okay. I'm, I'm hopeful, Tim, and I think we should remain hopeful that we've got, but we have to step up to the plate and, and make some meaningful changes. If we look at the, the health accord, um, you know, the health accord are going to prioritize six to eight areas in year one where they're going to invest in the recruitment and, you know, uh, our physicians in the community teams. I would hope that the data would suggest that Bonavista would be one of those areas, which we're slated for, but would be one of those six to eight. We need to look at the way we conduct legislation in Newfoundland and Labrador. We don't do it until basically every other province in Canada has done it, and then we adopt it, regardless of whether it's it's good or, or indifferent. Uh, you know, there's a lot of legislation work that's needed in the health accord, which they speak to. Mm-hmm. Our legislation is outdated. Why a physician can go to Nova Scotia from international status and practice in, in a Canadian province like Nova Scotia, but they can't come to Newfoundland and Labrador. Yeah. Uh, so and those are, are those are important anomalies in the system that are crucial and in designation of credentials. I mean, it's not just in medicine, as you know, but it's very pertinent right now in medicine. Obviously, you want to make sure your physician is properly credentialed. But yes. if another province is recognizing those credentials and those credentials can be validated more quickly, why wouldn't you put the doctor into the system? Thank anyway, got to leave it there. Got to leave it there, Craig. Appreciate the time. Uh, always good to talk to you. You too, Tim. All the best. Awesome. Take care. Bye-bye. That was uh, Craig Party, the MHA for Bonavista, just talking about what's going on with uh, health care in his region. We got lots of calls. Um, I think, is it Mike? You're going to be next when we come back after the break here on VOCM. Weekdays on VOCM, it's Open Line with your host, Patty Daly. Join the conversation each morning from 9 a.m. to noon on your VOCM. We get people talking. Welcome back. As I said, full lineup of calls, which is great. So I'm just going to start working my way through them all, and let's hear what everybody's got to say. Mike, you're on the line. I'm going to call this the fit. You want to get your fish and shoot your moose, no, I'm, still, I'm teasing you. <laughs> Food, fishery limits, and gun laws. Tell me what's on your mind specifically about those things. Well, this thing about uh, 15 fish per trip on board a boat is not a law. They can't charge you. Mm-hmm. It's a guideline that they made and uh, or a rule because they figures that Newfoundlanders are going to overload the boats is a safety issue. So because somebody out there is going to overload their boat, which DFO can easily, uh, you know, convict somebody of that because there's tags on it. They can enforce that. 
But instead of forcing the law, they put a rule there to stop this that you're only allowed uh, me now that I'm innocent. I got a boat there, 47 feet long. I can take out 20 or 30 people. Now, right. uh, if I goes out, I'm only allowed 15 fish per trip. I can come in and touch the wharf and go on out again, catch another 15, come in, touch the wharf, go on out again, get another 15. I can have... So it's not five. per individual, it's per boat per trip. Right, 15 okay. fish. Okay. And five five for each individual. So if I got six okay. people out there, then I can, can go out own. there and catch... And catch me 15 fish, come in, touch the wharf, go out. All I'm doing is wasting fuel, greenhouse gases, everything else, cost me money because DFO made this rule of regulation that you can't enforce because people out there might overload their boats. So here I am, the common everyday Newfoundland, they're going out there obeying the rules and regulations and everything else. I'm being penalized because somebody else might break the law. And there's you know, no exemption to any of this. They don't have a one-day exemption. I mean, there's so many ways you could do this to make it more efficient. If you know, assuming what you're telling me is accurate, and I have no reason to believe it isn't, but there, there would anyway. You you keep going. That seems odd to me. That's weird. Weird kind of way to regulate things. Well, this is a very lock myself and the wife, mm-hmm. and we got 20 fish between us. That's plenty of fish for us for the winter. Yeah. 20 fish, and we don't need to go out there and get five fish a day, and whatever. Well, most of the fish I get, so gives it away. Right. But uh, the the thing is, is that it's the point of these people and the people at the tops and that and stuff that makes the rules and regulations to penalize the innocent people that obey the laws. Yeah. So if I got, if me and my, my buddy and then our wife wants to go out fishing and get, uh, get uh, say, uh, four quotas, Mm-hmm. I got to go out, uh, get 15 fish, then come in, touch the wharf, and go out and get another five. Now, so what's the difference if I get my total of 15 fish at uh, 9 o'clock, but because I got to spend an extra hour to come in and go out, uh, I'm going to have me 15 fish at 10 o'clock. That is not uh, conservation. And it's not there for kind of, kind of well, uh, unless I guess they're, con- they're again. I have no insight into this, but I assume they're thinking by making it a hassle uh, and and keeping the limits low that they will somehow. They've probably done some research on this. This will make it all uh, the conservation uh, work. Uh, but again, I don't know. That's just me guessing. Now, uh, what do you want to say about guns, Mike? Because I got a bunch of calls, but I want to like, give you a chance uh, right. to talk about guns. I got, uh, this again is touches on the same subject as these people with authority and that and stuff that are in full putting new laws and that and stuff to mm-hmm. hit at the innocent people. I had a 223. Because okay. somebody committed a criminal act with the 223 coyote gun and sealing gun, uh, they banned it because somebody else... Oh, so it's on the banned list, crime. is it? Okay, okay. Yes, All right. and, uh, a Ruger Mini 14. Okay. So it's a nice little gun, neat, compact, and uh, used for coyotes and that and seals. So anyway, they banned it. Now, they're supposed to buy it back with another thing. So I goes out, and I buys another gun. The new gun, I still got the old one. I got to go about buy a new one, a 22-250 lever action. cost me a uh, scope and everything of over $2,000. Mm-hmm. Then the government comes out with a rule and regulation that you're not allowed to use 
223 and 250s now during moose hunting season because people are out there poaching. Again, you've got people breaking the laws, out there poaching. They're not enforcing it. They're not out there to get these people that are poaching, that are going to poach anyway. Now, uh, I'm not allowed to use my uh, new rifle from September till December. But I got a beer license. I can use my high-power 300 Magnum to go in and poach a moose that I can use for beer hunting legally. Does that make any sense to you? I don't know how they make those gun rules. I I don't, and I but but I hear I hear what you're saying from other people too. There's a there's a people like you who are legitimate hunters, who are good gun owners, who are responsible in the way you look after your weapons. And people listening should know because I assume you bought them because you have a license already. You have to go through a legal process to get all that. Uh, get get angry rightly when you know weapons like the one the two two three you talked about are put put on lists. Uh, um, as a reaction to something that happened that may not be the reason why it happened. Anyway, I, I get your frustration there. I think you got to uh, – there's a pretty good lobby of, of, of MPs who are trying to responsibly manage gun ownership. You should talk to some of them. Talk to your local MP about all that. But I get your frustration. Anyway, Mike, got to leave it there. I'm sorry you're going through uh, – dealing through these uh, incoherent policies as you described them. But uh, good to get your perspective on things this morning thank you thank you all right that was mike talking some common sense about fish and 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 guns and hunting and uh admittedly subjects i need to know more about in terms of the way the licensing process works and uh, the the policies come together but uh, he's not wrong to say a lot of policy in canada is often reactive as opposed to proactive and that can cause the irritation you have mike feeling and sometimes uh isn't the best policy now clifford's on the line he wants to talk about cod moratorium clifford how are you you there hello you got me, boy. I, if you're listening to the radio, turn you. it off. Wait there. Are you okay? Oh. I got you. <laughs> yes. i, I got to break it to you, Clifford. I'm not going anywhere, buddy. I'm just right here. So go I'm ahead. Right what do you there. want to talk okay, about? Okay, sir. Oh, yes, uh, I'm from, uh, my name is Clifford. Yes, I'm from the Lower North Shore, Quebec. Okay. And uh, I'd like to speak about uh, the cod fishery. Uh, a while ago, there was, it was 30 years when it, yes. when it, it closed down. Okay. Eh? I, I was a young kid working for John Crosby 30 years John ago, Crosby, and I wasn't at yes, that hotel yeah. room, but I remember the day you well. Remember, anyway, yes, yeah. I remember quite well because I was uh, I worked in a fish plant just for 40 years. Yeah. Okay. So I know about a little bit about fishing. Yeah. And the boats. Uh, and uh, the one person that I listened to yesterday was his name. I think his name was Guff. I don't know if Gus was on yesterday. Probably Gus Etchigary, but well, anyway, well, go no. ahead. But he uh, he's forward with uh, the codfisher, eh? And uh, he should have went in for uh, the, the minister of fisheries because <laughs> he was dead on. Yeah. Well, if it's Gus Etchigary, he knows his fish. So uh, he knows his fish. Yes. Yeah. Well, my opinion was uh, uh, on the codfisher, eh? Yes. 
John Crosby, uh, he was a minister of fist race, uh, yep. and he, he announced his, his speech on the, on the war of, of uh, St. John's. Eh? It was Babel's where that happened. Do you mean on, you mean that uh, incident on Canada yeah, Day where the told, fish all... He told the, he told the fisherman that he, he wasn't a goddamn man that took the fish out of the water. Eh? Remember it very was, well. That's he right. was the man. Yeah. In Newfoundland, the, what he done... My opinion was he issued too many licenses for the fishermen. That's what he done. And then at that time, in in, in the fisheries, uh, the most of the fishermen was uh, fishing by gillnets. And they had about probably seven miles of uh, the, the, the nets out. So then he come up with a rig. He come up with then that when your nets got tore up. They, the government would replace them. And the most of the fishermen left their nets in the water. Hmm. And a gale net, a malafilling gale net, it don't rot. Okay. So they, they, they fish. They fish, and they just ride them. Yes, he, he, everything was, birds and everything was tangled up into them. Because I know it's because yeah. the, the, the shrimp draggers, Today, they're still dragging up the gill in shit. Yeah, I smell left in water. I, I'm not gonna. I'm yeah, not gonna. Well, I'm gonna tell you. No, then, no, no. Hang on, hang know. on. Hey, I just, just a second. Listen, I'm not, I'm not okay. disagreeing with you, with you, uh, Cliff. I'm just uh, saying, yeah. gill nets certainly an issue I heard about before. But I think uh, participants in the fishery too many. Arguably, it was so politicized, as we all know. Overfishing was an issue. There was, there was no shortage of blame to go around as to what happened during the overfishing of the cod. Anyway, go ahead. You got yeah, about a okay, minute left. Yeah. And then he come up with a, a Caitlin for fishing for for Saint and Caitlin. He come up with another rig for for Aaron. You can see it on CBC. They they had it on the the the, the saltwater cowboys. You you see what they done there. Yeah, well, what they done. I I haven't seen a full episode of Saltwater yeah, Cowboys, no, but I know they they, they, they tried. The, I worked in the fish plant, and the yeah. Japanese they only took the the she ones, the cape ones. They wanted the row, right? He ones they let go. Yeah. yeah. So they just tried them. But if I didn't meet John Crosby in the seventies, I'd told him, <laughs> if you took all the women off Newfoundland Island, what a cop, what a population would you have? <laughs> right? What population would you have? Well, if you don't have the ability so to procreate, he, you would yeah, have a decline. Then he, then he, he said that then they went on the the, the table was was the seals. Well, oh, yeah. they took the foot out of their mouth, buddy. Yeah. When they tried the cable, they took the, they, they took their foods. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the seal Aaron, hunt uh, and the, the, the number, yeah, I know. The Cape was on that Gusley's thing. Well, he was right. He was, uh, the fish comes from the, the, uh, on, 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 on the tail on the Grand Banks. That's where it comes in, Joe. Yeah. Yeah. That's where it gets on our side. Yeah. Wait, Cliff, you got yeah. 30 seconds because I got to go to break, and I think you okay, make a lot of sure. good points. Yeah, what else you I got? You took my, uh, but, but John Crosby, he was a he, he, uh, he, he, he was a minister of fish race, yeah. 
But he done a lot of bad things. Yeah. Well, right. you, you, your, your perspective, and look, I think there's lots of blame that goes around, and you've out, outlined some of it, but I'm glad you made your points. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Thank you for calling. Good to talk well, to you, uh, Thank you for taking my call. Yeah. All right. Good to talk to you. A lot, a, lot of, a lot of fish talk this morning. That's good. It's not fishy. It's interesting. Time for a break here on VOCM's Open Line, and uh, we're going to take more of your calls after that. Welcome back. Now we're going to go from the loaves and the fishes to the roads and maybe some more fishes cyril you're on the line how are you doing today not too bad yes good morning nice to uh, talk to you uh, so yes, the roads in trinity bay aren't very good oh uh, not very good in, in the area i'm in uh, you know we're hitting midsummer air now uh, a few weeks ago we got a bit of cold patch here and there and uh, we, uh, I don't, well, I don't know if they were working anywhere on the road yesterday or today either, but uh, I was up over the road there Sunday. Uh, we leave uh, Southport and go to the Transcanada okay. here. And we have places on our road that you don't know where to go. When you get to the to the spot, uh, one side or the other is, is dug out and, uh, a lot of people driving on the shoulders of the road to get by, and then you got the bad turns. Uh, you probably try to swing out around a, a hole in the road. You don't know if there's another car coming, and the roads is getting growed in with halters, and and the sides gone out of the road like uh, you might see a piece I call them half moons on the side of, <laughs> the, side of the roads. They're uh, big. Uh, uh, took out by the plow during the winter and uh, we uh, well this will go on now I don't know when they're going to do the repair work but uh, that'll be sometime to fall maybe you might get a few uh, bit of pavement air patched up here and there but uh, the summer is over then the enjoyment of, of traveling and, and going is over with and then the plow gets back during the winter where the road is in such a bad condition uh, gouge it all out again so you, you said something there. I just want to maybe you can explain it for the listeners uh, because people mightn't appreciate it. You probably haven't had any new pavement laid in years, have you? And you just have road maintenance that's done, which is very minimal, correct? Yes. Uh, uh, we had Ross Wiseman in uh, in yep. this area. so uh, since Ross he, looked after you? <laughs> of uh, well, he, he did do a few uh, bad places, uh, was on our road. And uh, but but right now we got about uh, uh, 11 kilometers here on this end. Haven't been touched for years. Uh, well, I tell you, and when uh, uh, last few years, uh, you'll get area real, real bad, and uh, you'll get this. Uh, I suppose I don't know how many feet or a kilometer you might get up to your patch it up. And uh, then in, in between uh, coming down with this area there and. Uh, in Long Beach, uh, it's terrible. There's a there's a, a, a turn there we call the horseshoe. That's you know a tractor trailer. The guy looks out to the window and looks at his back wheels when the, when he's going around. Uh, that's been like that for years. Uh, I'll tell you this uh, this little one now. Uh, uh, a girl one time she was uh, mm. on the bus and uh, she said well, when she was a little girl the bump on the bus hey, the, the bus would bump in the air and come down <laughs> so anyway she uh, graduated went away gone for a number of years had a child and come home and told her, her little girl going to school watch out for the bump up on the road 
<laughs> yeah, that that's family heritage. You probably like uh, to have yeah. fixed. Tell me. Well, anyway, last can I ask year, Cyril? No. Cyril, just let me ask you a question related to that because, again, you know, a lot of people still, I think, when they come to Newfoundland, including Newfoundlanders and Labrador in the summer, go down the Trinity Bay area. We've got lots of different tourism attractions. Are you seeing? Is this impacting people's decisions to go? Uh, have you? What are you? What are you hearing about that? Yeah, well, I, uh, we're not here, but you know, don't be tired. But we got a walking trail down here now, down on the end of us here. Yeah. Uh, you got to pass through our communities there between here and Southport. We're, we're we're right on the end of it, and we got a, a wellness trail down there. Okay. And uh, we used to get a lot of people down here because we, we have had a lot of icebergs in this way. Oh, okay. Yeah, so a few years ago we had one uh, uh, right at the end of Southport over there. Uh, uh, used to be a lot of pictures on it, on it, that you could land a plane on it. That's how big it was. Really? Wow. And uh, we had buses and, and rigs over there. We used to we had a traffic jam. Well, when the kids got out of school in the spring, uh, in the summer, it was there, and just built pieces floating around that far when they went back to school. <laughs> so, uh, you know what I mean? You you do. But this trail is bringing people in here. Uh, like myself, I go uh, in and around for a drive in the evening. And then yes. during the day, you, you might see 20 cars. Uh, wow. In, in 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 the parking lot because uh, this walking thing is is big now. <laughs> I know, crazy. Hey, stay healthy yeah. and walk. People people are yeah. doing more of it. You can take uh, stuff with you. Any, I got got to take another call. I'll give you another twenty seconds. Anything else you want to add? Uh, no, but you know what I mean. Uh, 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 in the middle of the summer now, and a few weeks ago, we got a bit old cold patch. Where is the the you know the hot? stuff and try to do something for us. Uh, even ourselves here, turning down in our community now, you've got to go on the shoulder of the road is the best path to uh, make the turn. Yeah, that's not, that's not sustainable over time. I mean, if people are still living in those communities as you are, you got to find a way to do better. Yes. All right, so, Cyril, thanks for the call. Step. Yeah, about the walking trail now. So if if people is coming for that, as soon as the is that you you know you got a bad road, look at the people is backing off from it. Yeah, yeah, you lose you lose the, you you lose money, yeah. you lose engagement, you lose a lot of things. So, all right, well, keep right. walking, Cyril. I appreciate the call. Thank you. Okay. Thanks. Sir. Take care. All right, that was Cyril. All right, now we have anonymous calling who wants to speak about a neighbor that won't stop burning pl- a plastic. Are you there? Yes, I am. Thank Good you for morning. waiting. I know you've been waiting for a while. I appreciate that. So tell us the, the situation and how you're trying to fix it. Uh, um, we moved up here a couple of years ago, and one of the neighbors um, started burning plastic not long after we moved in, and what a headache. Like, there was no notice. My windows were open. It was windy. The whole house just filled. Plastic is awful when it burns. Like, it's terrible. He keeps saying that it's organic and that they have a permit. I'm after calling the city, the police department. Since I've been up here, the police, I don't want to tell too much because they'll know who I am. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) We don't want you to get roughed up. Yeah. um, They'll get even, right? So, (laughs) yeah, um, the police, the fire department have come up. Each time I called, I've asked them to be quiet, not to turn their lights on, because they did that the first time, and then they were in a hurry next door to put the fire out. And they didn't even get out of their trucks. They just, what are you burning? Organic. And then, boom, gone. And then they'll do it late at night. 
So I'll get up in the morning, the whole house, the front door, anything on the step, any everything is covered with this toxic smell. And I get the biggest headache from it. I don't know what to do. Yeah. Uh, and have you, you've talked, as you say, you've talked to uh, the municipal authorities. And have you called, I mean, you could potentially call the police. Uh, that's taken it up a level. But, I mean, if there is a v- municipal violation that that is being, uh, uh, being manifested, then you can, you know, they might have the power to act there. And you've talked to the person directly, so you've done that. Uh, yes. I, I even apologized and brought over a bottle of liquor and I said, you know, this this really hurts me. It, it gives me a headache. And the son said, well, the cops have been called for years. He said there was a big fire in the backyard. The man was burning. The fire department came through the woods because people up on the next street call. But, like, he did it a couple of days ago, and there was people down walking down the road, and they're staring at my place. And I'm like, yeah. it's not me. Well, maybe have you tried the the counselor for your area? I'm going to try. If maybe if someone hears me today and reach out to you and get my number, that would be great. Yeah, well, but they can. I they think... can. Sorry, you go ahead. Nope, you go ahead. I was going to say they can, of course, call Dave, our producer, and we will uh, we will put them uh, in touch with you. But I, I sometimes, you know, well, not municipalities can change rules, or there might be another rule that somebody hasn't looked at that applies here that may uh, force this person to to stop doing that. But uh, maybe if this person is listening, they'd recognize the discomfort that's that's being caused. And uh, I don't and, think so. I really don't think they yeah. give. I care. Well, good choice of word. All right. Well, we will. uh, We will. uh, If anybody calls, if anybody has heard our caller this morning, uh, that would be great, and we can uh, we can see if we can help you out, get some resolution there. I thank you for your patience, and I thank you for the call. Thank you very much. Okay. Uh, That was Anonymous talking about plastic being burned. All right. Nothing anonymous about this next. It is time for the VOCM News with Brian. And after that, more of your calls here on Open Line. Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your request to irishnl at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com. Welcome back to Open Line. Just want to um, add some new information to the discussion I had a little bit ago with um, Mike uh, around fishing and gun laws. Just some uh, people on Twitter have offered some new information. Uh, Mike had talked about how his 223 wasn't legal for uh, hunting wolf and coyote. Uh, he Apparently, according to another, it is. Uh, he can hunt wolf and coyote, but he's not allowed to use the 223 for small game or big game. Again, uh, I can see, though, Mike's point about being confused, and thank you for that clarification. And Mike's at 15-person limit per day. It's apparently five fish a day, according to this person who did share me a, an email from the so the broader point of Mike's is an important one. It's really confusing, and there's all manner of regulation out there, and you better know the regulations or you're going to get yourself in trouble. And why do the regulations come about the way they do? All of that to be discussed and dig deeper into it. We're going to dig deeper into the Mount Pearl strike right now. I've got a former counselor and a regular caller, always has interesting things to say. Tom Davis on the line. Tom, how are you? 
Good. Uh, uh, I actually just want to clarify. I was not a former counsel. I did run. Oh, in the I thought last you one. were. Oh, sorry. Tom. No. Well, look, no. I was making you a municipal official before you, you were. So there you go. Anyway, go ahead. Thank you. Well, I just want to start just by applauding Sister Elizabeth and Dr. Pat Parfrey. And I know you and I know Pat very well yeah. and congratulate him on stepping up. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, when most most of our government employees are long retired, he's he's now become <laughs> he's now become a bureaucrat and yeah. uh, just go to show his commitment to this province. And uh, anybody who's critical of immigrants, I should realize that he came over a long time yep. ago and his He's done a yeoman's work both uh, on the, in the medical field, obviously in public policy field, and and on the rugby field. So, you know, kudos to them. I heard them yesterday on another program, and uh, I I'm really pleased how they're pivoting a little bit to you know lay the lay it yeah. at our the responsibility at our feet to be healthier. And I would just say on Pat, too, so so people understand he's taken on the new role of Deputy Minister of Health Transformation, reporting directly to the Executive Council, which means the, the Premier's office. Uh, as you say, he has done incredible things for the province, and he's probably the best person you can have in the job if you're committed to transformation right now. He knows the system inside and out. Uh, he's seen it from all facets. And if the government is going to do something to change the way we do and deliver health care this province having him there is a huge asset for the province agree with you 100 percent tom yeah so i just want to just remind everybody with 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 covid and everything that's going on the, the best treatment is is self-treatment through healthier eating and being more active and, and i love the comment by the gentleman before talking about how walking is becoming <laughs> a big thing <laughs> so you know change is possible and just one step at a time right you don't eat an elephant in one bite it takes a whole lot of little bites so let's let's keep on eating so so i want to jump over to the uh the, the continuing saga of the tale of two cities i was on linda last week talking about uh, at, the, at, at that point it was a precursor to uh qp being dissatisfied with their negotiations yeah. that was prior to them deciding to go on a legal strike and uh so now they're out and and of course uh, the new trend for uh unions now is to spend a whole bunch of their uh members monies on radio advertising which which i did here on one of the breaks and emphasizing that you know that the, the city is trying to create a two-tier system where old you know older some more senior employees would have different benefits um than new employees and, and they they say that they're not going to accept that sort of situation, but to remind them that that's actually pretty common within the provincial government right now. There's a situation along those lines within the city of St. John's. It's the exact same thing. People who were hired prior to mm-hmm. 2015 have different deals. And that's um, just to, just to, again for broader education of the audience. That's not in, unusual in many public service settings across the country. I mean, there are different classifications of employees. When you're hired at a different time, there are different programs that apply. So important for you to point that out and to let people know that that is the case. Anyway, go ahead, Tom. And the challenge that all governments are facing is the fact that the benefits are not sustainable. And in a lot of cases, um, they're more generous than we can afford. Back when when public servants didn't make as much money, but the ben, but the the main perks were the uh, job, uh, the fact that your job was very secure, 
and the fact that you had these great benefits and pensions was the main reason people went to work for the public service. And mm-hmm. But that's now transitioned where the public servants, in a lot of cases, are paid significantly more. Apples to apples, unions to, to union, uh, it's 12 percent more, and it's more like 25 percent more when you compare it to private, non-unionized private sector. And then extending that even further, that's, that's not taking into account the fact that many uh, pensions are not um, – they're not. They're guaranteed. They're guaranteed payout. They're not guaranteed contributions. So in other words, you you're going you're to be guaranteed a certain percentage of your pay. And and also as as people get raises, that increases that pension liability. So mm-hmm. the municipalities are looking at that like Grand Falls fought a you know very yes. long uh, protracted labor disagreement last year and uh, and it, you know and that and I want to just do a shout out to to leaders who are prepared to take that kind of takes so much courage because you're you know Newfoundland is a very unionized very pro labor uh, jurisdiction and when when leaders try to do the responsible long term thinking it's very difficult because you know human beings in general and Newfoundlanders as well are we think short term as sister Liz said yesterday that that everybody wants the the short fix, the quick fix, and 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 so it takes a lot of courage to think past your term as a mayor or as a councillor. And I want to applaud those leaders who who look at the financials, who look what the actuaries, who are the people who determine what your pension liabilities are going to be and what your benefits yep. liabilities are going to be. And they look at that and they realize that there's there's a huge uh, cliff coming towards us all. And you know, and the ones who just put it off for the next year or the next budget or the next. Uh, uh, elected official to deal with, like you know, that, that's that's not good responsible leadership. Well, and it, that's why we're in the place that we're in now. And there are all sorts of ways people rationalize putting things off. But you know, we're maybe a few years from not being able to put anything off anymore, whether it be uh, our health care service provision in this province, whether it be um, our economic state of, of affairs. That's been a constant one. Demography, as we know. I mean, we're starting to do good things on immigration, but we're past the date, Tom, as you know better than anybody, where we can say, yeah, let the next group figure it out. I just want to get reelected. Yeah, and, and you know, I, again, um, we need to, you know, when I listen to the mayor of St. John's say they're working with their union to reach agreements through ongoing discussion. They want to avoid what Mount Pearl is going through. Well, they had just signed a agreement with the transit union, which is the Metrobus yep. employees, and the union recommended acceptance. We don't know what, I mean, that's a couple of weeks ago now, three weeks ago. We don't know the details of that, but most likely that is the template. And so it's really easy to be popular as a leader. You just give yeah. everybody what they want. And, or Tom, you can and, run around to be a conservative leadership candidate and just yell "freedom." Give me more freedom. Yeah, it's 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 simple and it's trite. But anyway, I interrupted you to throw in my sarcastic I'm, comments. But go ahead. And and I know that the council of City of St. John's and the mayor—they're good people. They're hardworking. They care about the residents. And I understand the dichotomy of trying to balance because because there's you know there's suffering and there's pain and there's people all around. But I just want to remind everybody that our that our municipal employees, in particular in the city of St. John's. These are not people who are um, on the poverty line. They're not going to the food bank. You know, I mean, you might have some part-time. You could have yes, some casual. Yes, you could have some seasonal workers for sure. But, you know, when you get into the overtime that, that many of them earn and their overall base salaries, and on average, every employee of the city of St. John's costs us around $115,000. That's not what they take home, and no, that's, that's obviously a- an average, right? But, you know, it just these are difficult times, but we can all get it through it together. 
but I want to put it back on our union leadership too, because they are the most powerful people in the province. They they really are. They they've got way more. When they band together, they can do incredible things. And uh, and and I want to call on them to put their heads together, to sit down, and to not to listen to the uh, you know the the labor economists out there who tell them we can borrow more money. We have endless capacity to borrow money, and and that's who they listen to, and that's who they pay to give them advice. I understand that. But I'd like to see a more balanced approach when, the, you know, it, they are not the weak member of the negotiating. No, they're not. I mean, yeah. They are the strongest people. I just want to call on them to, to take that responsibility, look their grandchildren and their children in the face and say, I'm doing what's in the best long, long-term interests of my, our province that you're going to inherit from me. I'm going to pass that torch. And, and, and I, I just want to call on them and, and, the, the, and our leaders, our, our government leaders, to be courageous to be forward-thinking, and to create a sustainable and prosperous province long-term, not short-term. All right. I'll leave it there. Great call. Good to talk to you as usual. Uh, always welcome to call in. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Tim. Thank you. All right. That was Tom Davis. Time for a break here on VOCM Open Line. Simeon Takapish coming to you right after the break. You've also been waiting patiently. I appreciate that. Look forward to hearing your words after this break. Now we're going to go to Simeon Takapish, who has been waiting patiently as well, and I thank him for that. Uh, wants to talk about the lack of mental health counseling for parents in Labrador. Simeon, I think the last time I was on and talking to you, you were actually in the emergency room at, uh, at, one, of the, at the, one of the hospitals. I hope you've gotten out of there. Uh, tell me what's going on in terms of the mental health counseling. Okay, I just want to say in my own language, the team I just said, uh, Tim, thank you very much uh, in my own language for giving me, for me, allowing me to to speak on your radio show tonight, uh, today. And, You're very welcome. Uh, yeah, and anyway, I'm, I'm out of hospital. I, I hope I, I'm not so good. <laughs> anyway, but I feel really, really good, uh, Tim. Good. I my, uh, I had my, uh, I beat the cancer. I Good also beat you. my prostate problem, and so uh, so I'm I'm really rock and roll again. I see that. <laughs> anyway, you'll yeah. be up in that trail on Trinity, jogging around with everybody else. Anyway, oh go God. ahead. I'll, I'll I'll be doing my kickboxing and down in my basement pretty soon. Pretty oh, good. Good <laughs> yeah. for you. Anyway, yeah, I'm glad you gave me a chance to to speak. I, I'm 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 calling because I'm very concerned. Uh, of the lack of mental health uh, support uh, from uh, our province, the federal government, and also the federal government, along with the Department of Child Welfare Act. And I believe there was so much, so much announcements made by our prime minister about uh, about uh, sending support to uh, residential survivors. I think I believe yes. last time I heard yes. was about three hundred twenty-one million dollars for for them to get help, and which is. Very, very applauding and very, very pleased with that. But on the other hand, in Labrador, as within Labrador and uh, within Labrador, Newfoundland and Labrador, we as a survivors, as as a parents, well, uh, and I'm sure everybody knows about the uh, the inquiry that's coming up uh, mm-hmm. in Labrador about the inner children. And I was one of the instigators and spearheaded the uh, the voice for for our, for our Labrador children. But anyway, that's that's gone and, and signed the deal and is ready to ready to go. But one of the things that I really find for the last five years, ever since I lost uh, my son Thunderheart, uh, took mm-hmm. his life, and about three three days ago, I was disclosed very very disturbing stuff what they did to my son. And I'm not going to disclose over the airways who, Who's today. the they? The system? The uh, who? The, who's yeah, the, the system. The system. The uh, okay. the child welfare. 
people. They, they did something to my son, and it was very, very hurting, and that's why I'm calling today. Because after I was told and disclosed that information, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't stop thinking. And I was so mad and angry that I want to go to their office and say, look, have you guys go, leave. But I can't do that. I don't have authority. Anyway, but I've been thinking, like, after my son's under hurt, um, I can only speak for myself, but I know the others that they are, they are going through. Uh, I mean, there is no program availability for healing, counseling, for us, there is no cultural support programs like elders, uh, you know, addiction counselors and therapists, and there's no emotional support. Well, no what is the teacher? Sorry, I was—I I didn't mean to interrupt you, but you made me—you cued a few things for me. So, one of the things I think about too that makes counseling effective is when it's delivered in your own language. I assume it is just dreaming in in Technicolor, Simeon, to think that you have any Anumium speakers who are trained as psychologists, or do you? Oh yes, we do. We have okay. uh, we have our neighbors in Quebec that they are qualified, okay. uh, a qualified uh, psychologist. And we have really good healers in our communities. Okay. And okay. There, good. There is no, yeah. There is no programs like for for parents like us. I mean, okay. survivors. I mean, and there is no professional professional counseling services available to us. Um, I mean, to me, it's like a, you just have to cope what you went through. But that's not how it works. I mean, I, I'm very surprised today, I, and I'm not a attacking their, uh, my, our leadership, uh, their, their characters. But I think someone needs to speak out. This is why I'm speaking out, because that's what I see today. Because I can only speak for my own personal experience. After my son, my son Thunder Heard, uh, took his life, I started drinking, started mm-hmm. doing coke, drugs, and I, I literally lost my life. I had cancer. So I have my, my my health developed a very poor develop I developed very poor health and I almost lost my life because I didn't I didn't have any of these programs. I didn't I didn't know I have no place to go, I have no person to turn into. All I went is to church and that's where I turned to and, so and, and see there, there's nobody there was no grief counseling available no, to you. No, 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 not whatsoever. But I think I said in the beginning of my, my fight for inquiry, I said, somebody is going to be accountable. And I'm saying that again. Somebody is going to be accountable what transpired in Natasha's in all society. I can, I can say that very, very, very confident. Because can I ask I you think, this? Because, yeah. again, people who don't understand what you went through, not just with Thunderheart, mm-hmm. but in terms of the residential school experience, mm-hmm. you were schooled by, uh, by people in the residential system, right? Mm-hmm. that it was such um, what you went through was horrible uh, but is there anybody in this country this is a personal interest who has you know developed special uh, s- situational specific healing tools to help you survivors because mm-hmm. it is uh, it, do you know of anybody elsewhere that's doing any of this and and what 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 unique kind of counseling do you think would help you and others I, I, and that's what I'm asking. What kind of help? To, what kind of availability is a help for us as a parent? I mean, Tim, I, I really, I don't know what happened to my son. I wasn't there, okay. but I need to find what happened, what transpired, and I want, I want to have a closure and uh, and move on. But I can't. 
it's it's every day that I have to think about what did yeah. they do to, to my son. Yeah. And I seen my kids cry. They see me cry. And I don't think they have seen me. They they have seen me cry so hard. And my wife cried so hard. And and, uh, and I don't know how to ex- explain the Oh, no, you're doing great. You're ex- Look, yeah. he's, uh, I, I, I can't even imagine. We talked to a mother yesterday who's looking for her lost son. We're talking to you who've lost your son. I can't even, as a father, imagine how horrible and how uh, gut-wrenching and what that does to you. I, I'm not surprised, and you're not the only human who has been so traumatized. And I'm not diminishing what you went through. I mean, in saying it, it makes sense that you had the pain and the anguish and you you know you tried to find outlets that you did and what you're arguing for today is is important uh, finding support for parents because you still have to parent you still have to live you still are a community leader and you can't do that if you're not well yourself no no and that's and that's the kind of help that i'm seeking from our province Especially, uh, especially Canada, because they are the ones who, who who are the governing in this country, province and federal, and and I believe we we are entitled to get help because what they did to our to our family, it was lied, it was not true, what what it was not acceptable what they did, and I mean, who in in the world would treat children in in a safety plan or in a safety care? And they start beating the kids and knock knock my son out in the wall and rush to the hospital. What kind of a child protection is that? I want yeah, that, and that's a, want and that's a whole other answer that. I want yeah, no, to fair enough. answer that. Yeah, I want him to answer it. If not, like I said, I am I am well, healthy. I, I can walk. I can speak both languages. So I am coming for them. I am, and I can't wait that inquiry. There. They will hear about me more. I think it's years, the days to come, and months to come. But I am, I am, I am ready. So right, I, I'm not, I'm not to fight. Well, you've never been a down. voice that's, you've never been a voice that's, that's coward, uh, even with all the challenges that you, uh, you have gone through, and you're to be admired by all for all of that. I, yeah. I have to take a break here, Simeon. Always good to talk to you. Thank you for the update. If you know John Abbott or others call who would have some responsibility for yeah. the care of your, uh, your late son not directly of course at that time but he is now a minister yep. who could comment on that then we uh, yep. we will ask him about all of this thank you thank Appreciate you very the much call. Yep. all right time for a break here on vocm's open line back with more of your calls after that join brian medor weekdays at noon for a comprehensive update on news from every corner on all levels newsmakers weather and more join us on your vocm at noon Welcome back. We're going to talk to Gail now about roads. Second chat this morning about roads because people are rightly irritated by them. Or maybe Gail's happy with the roads. I shouldn't prejudge what she's going to say. Gail, where are you on roads today? I am not pleased with our roads here in my community where I live. And what community is that, Gail? That's in Brooklyn, Bonavista Bay. Okay. I've been fighting for our roads now for the last two years. The past winter, uh, we had a lot of holes in that here, and uh, so we commonly put down some crushed stone in the holes. Of course, crushed stone on pavement is not very nice. No. So I've been still fighting for it. I was calling this morning now to put my opinion in over here. I'm sick and tired of phoning them and asking them, like, where are they to? What are they going to do? I don't see no improvement. I don't see nothing. I don't know. 
where you're to or what you're doing. So when was the last time you had any real road work done out your way? Oh, my goodness. I'm going to say a long time ago, really a long time ago. I've been living in the community now for 40 years. And it's been a long time since I've seen any what you call major road work here. Like I said, just he comes and puts in a bit of coal patch. You don't even, he just slices the bag open, shoves the bag in the hall, down in the hole one time and just jumps on it. That's so what my... Up the road is gone. Poop, like, you know, it don't make sense. Well, and uh, I've seen that done here just on residential streets, but you're, you're, you're living, you're using highways and the like. So how is it, I mean, are you seeing more accidents, people having more damage to their cars? What, well, what's the yeah. impact of it? Uh, more damage is done to cars. I mean, the old is tremendous. I mean, it's, RMHA took pictures, like he even put a Pepsi can down in the oils. You could see how deep Really? Wow. Honestly, I mean, he even sent in uh, petitions. He spoke on it. He's done everything in the world. And it seems like it's just a dip here. And I mean, right here where I live, we have like cabins, people coming from all over the world, like tourists. And I mean, what are they coming to? Mm-hmm. They don't look very nice in Newfoundlanders. I listened to Open Line a while ago, and there's people come from other parts of the world complaining about our roads, how tremendous they were. So what has your MHA said about why things aren't getting done, and what, what, who else have you raised that issue with to get any Well, correction? I raised it with the Minister of uh, Transportation. In fact, I was talking to him this morning. Okay. And the first thing last year when I called issues about my road, the first thing was, oh, the roads, like the stand froze, stand froze. But that's not the point now. I mean, it's not time froze now. This is summer. Yeah. Um, like I don't know my RMHA. Like he says, well, when the the you you know the, when the, the the plants go up, like for the asphalt, uh, they get something. I don't know where it's to. The asphalt plant was only here in Clarenville, just a, a little ways from us. Uh, what is the problem with them? I don't understand. You call the the depot. There's no answer. You can't leave a message. Like really. And. <sighs> Do you think that part of this is just neglect because they figure people in your community are not going to stay there for too long? They don't want to spend the money? I mean, what, what's your rationale as well, to I'll why? Well, I'll tell you something, Tim. I was two years, a little better than two years, fighting for the, uh, for the brush cutting here in my community. I got it this year. Good for you. Uh, now, like, I mean, I was told last year, maybe we get some improvement with the roads, but maybe it's not good enough for me. No. Um, I mean, we pay our taxes like everybody yep. else. Yeah, of course you do. So I don't think it's fair. I mean, I know our community is only small. We're a rural route, but that's besides the point. We we live here. We have a lot of homes there. There's summer homes. People come from everywhere. Yep. They love our community because it's by the water. It's nice, quiet. Well, and it's, I don't know if you saw this on the weekend, Gail, but it, it's really interesting. So uh, there's a lot of people, you've pointed it out, and I think it's important for decision makers in Newfoundland to know there are people that are coming to Atlantic Canada, not just for summer now, and they want to go to communities by the water. They want to buy homes that are more affordable. That's correct. And they're going to want to be able to use roads that aren't destroying their cars. Now, I appreciate, that's you know, that's going to not necessarily going to be hundreds of people at a time, but it's something we need to consider when we look at what roads we pave and what 
what roads we pave more quickly and how we just maintain them and don't. Anyway, uh, what else did Elvis Loveless say to you today than if you talked to him about this? <laughs> it's so funny you said his name because I, your producer said to me not to mention no names, so I didn't mention any names. Okay. I, mean, I, did say, I did, so uh, he, he, Elvis can always call this show. Oh, I don't care. I mean, he can call me if he wants. I don't care. But he told me today, I told him when I was talking to him, I said, look, I called you over a year ago. You were supposed to call me back. You didn't do it. And I said, now, I said, you're going to call me back again. Oh, I'll call you back by Friday. But I'll wait. And if I don't hear nothing by Friday, you can surely say that you'll get another call from me. I was <laughs> talking to um, a lady, too, in there, like, has yeah. uh, some doings with the roads. Um, but like I said, I'm just uh, pushed off to another Another rock, in other words. Yeah. Like, I know it was a couple of callers before me, Cyril, from down to um, Trinity Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm from Trinity Bay. I know what the roads is like. He's telling you the truth. Yeah. It was like that when I left there. Yeah. I left there in 1978, and the roads were like it then. They haven't changed none. Probably haven't been paved properly since then. Uh, anyway, uh, good. Yeah, a bit of patches here and there, but not not a lot. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember my dad used to work out of Clarenville, paved a lot of roads up there, and I remember there was a lot of paving in that time. That's the late early 80s, mid 80s, uh, and I know there's been pa- a lot of patchwork and roads done since then, but uh, there's still some that haven't been touched properly in 40, 50 years. Um, anyway, got to leave it there, Gail. Uh, I have no doubt that uh, you will get some attention on this uh keep us updated too as to how it's going i will thank you very much you're welcome that was gail talking about uh, the roads up uh bonavista bayway now i've got my wallet locked down because every time this guy comes on he just he just is so good at making the case for his important organization that he works for i feel like i'm gonna donate but paul Toomey, you're not pulling my heartstrings today my friend you're not getting money from me today well maybe you will you got you want to talk about the uh, the bingo you got on the go and of course paul is the executive director of the eating disorder foundation of newfoundland how are you I'm great, boy, and yourself? I, I, I'm good. I'm good. Tell me about your bingo and what's going on. Well, if, if you had been on last week when I spoke to Linda, you probably would have been opening your wallet. <laughs> well, the call's just started, Paul. I have it hidden over there. I can see it. <laughs> yeah, but... I'm not finished yet. <laughs> yeah, you're not, you haven't even started. Anyway, go ahead. Last week, we put out an appeal for people to come to our bingo because the first few weeks had been, well, to say the least, sad, and we were contemplating not mm-hmm. continuing. But I guess thanks to uh, the conversation with Linda, some other great support from BOCM and, of course, social media, we had a wonderful turnout last week, and uh, I was able to announce that we are continuing the bingo again this week and hopefully for the foreseeable future until the end of the summer. We did lose our um, our escalating jackpot last week. It went at $1,950, no, so that was great. So we had a, at least two happy people because two people went out on it. And of course, somebody won our regular fifteen hundred dollars that we give away in our um, in our jackpot bingo. So, uh, and none of that's taxable, right? Lottery winnings are not taxable, correct? Absolutely, <laughs> it's great money, great money. But the appeal, uh, um, uh, Tim, this week is to get people to come out again. One week was great, but we need that continued support. Uh, our bingos are Wednesday night at the Jack Byrne Arena parking lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, our gates open. Our doors open, I guess, at 6 p.m., and the games begin at 9.15, and generally you're home and on the way home by 9.30 at the latest. We have over $3,000 in prizes, break-open tickets, there's a canteen service, 50-50 tickets, and 
it looks like we will be starting a new escalating jackpot this week. So, again, it looks like the weather is going to be great. So, again, an appeal for people to come out. But, again, a big thank you for the opportunity to uh, to talk about our bingo. Two, two things, and this is where you usually get me. So for, first question, just remind people where the money goes so they understand what you do, uh, what the Eating Disorder Foundation does, and how you use the money you raise. We use the money uh, that we raise through the bingo and our other fundraising efforts uh, to support families who are dealing with eating disorders uh, within within their family unit. And, Tim, that's been a growing number. We're seeing yeah. an increase over the last couple of years in the range of about 30% of additional families who are reaching out to us for support. We provide workshops, we provide counseling, and we provide other training for families so that they can help their loved one along the journey uh, of recovery from this very, very serious mental illness. And it is a mental illness, and it is tough. And my last question relates to that. I think we talked about this before, the impact of COVID, obviously, on people's mental health and well-being. Are you seeing anything yet, Paul, the impact of affordability, inflation? I mean, there must be research on, on this that demonstrates it. All I mean, when people are worried about their state of being, that impacts their mental health. And a lot of people are having trouble, you know, just paying for the gas, paying their rent. Everything's very expensive. What are the current circumstances doing to the work that you're doing in terms of service provision? I think really all I can tell you on that, Tim, is that our numbers have not gone down. Even though we've gotten through COVID, we are still seeing the same average number of new families contacting us uh, every month. So the impacts are still there, whether it's COVID, whether it's the economy. And, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, when people were dealing with tight budgets and making decisions about whether uh, it's going to be groceries or gas, uh, it's it's challenging. It brings on depression. It brings on anxiety. And those are often the triggers of an eating disorder. Yeah. Well, you do great work. You Check your website later. We'll see how well you did, okay? Yeah, absolutely. Anyway. Uh, if you were in town, I'd probably get you to come down and call a few games tomorrow night. <laughs> well, I, I would love to do that sometime. I was there last week, but uh, back uh, back here back here in Ottawa now. Anyway, always good to talk to you, Paul. Thank you for the good work you do. I know the, the people of the province appreciate you, Vince Withers, all the people who are part of your organization. Thanks, Tim. Appreciate the opportunity to speak to you today. All right. Take care. Uh, if you get a chance, go to that bingo. Uh, help the Eating Disorder Foundation, one of many important organizations in our province that do so much good work. All right. Time for another break. We come back. Uh, we've got somebody who wants to talk about a fourth booster. And we also have the mayor of uh, Fogo on the line, uh, Mayor Shea, to talk about emergency room closures. Back with both those callers after this. Uh, we're going to go to another anonymous caller now who wants to talk about the potential, uh, which the NACI, the National Advisory Committee on Immunization, recommends of a fourth booster. Are you there? Good day, Mr. Powers. Good day. Nice to talk to you. What's your thought on fourth boosters? Well, uh, actually, uh, I'm uh, up the age of 65 to 70. I actually made an appointment on uh, last of April okay. to, Eastern, to Eastern Health. Gave all the information required, your date of birth, and your MCP number. Okay. So, so when the time come for me, uh, for me shot on the tent, went almost two weeks for my appointment. So when I go to get my appointment, I dro- I drove fifty six times to and fifty six times back. And when I rolled up my sleeve, the girl said, "Sorry, 
can't give you a shot. I said, why? Yeah. I said, I met her through Eastern Health. I said, gave me date of birth, which she usually yeah. gives, a UCP number. And Sorry. important, just to, just to stop you for a second, important if people don't know, I mean, I, I think 60-year-olds all across the country, regardless of provincial jurisdiction, have had the ability uh, and have been encouraged to get the fourth booster, correct? Yeah. Anyway, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Well, like I say, when I went to go get me shot, sorry, can't give it to you. You're not 70 years of age. Oh, really? It's 70? Okay. But so they didn't tell I... you that before. No, no. And now, 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 like four months have passed by, and uh, I haven't heard no nothing there. Called Eastern Health, and there's nothing there yet. And uh, it's, uh, if you have anybody on true Eastern Health, will you please answer an- answer that question? Okay. You know? I will. I will check out the guidelines uh, after I after we finish speaking in the next break to to tell you what they are. But I know certainly most jurisdictions it is sixty uh, and over are eligible for fourth doses. Uh, and uh, you know they have you, and you've had all all of the previous three. I've had I've had all the previous and I had my third I had my third booster. Okay. Right, but uh, they're saying that uh, right now it's only for 70 and up. But uh, there's people like me at that age want to get that extra shot, but there's nobody coming out, Eastern Health, nobody coming out saying when they're going to start taking appointments for like, you know, 65. We're seniors 65 years of age. And uh, and there's nothing, there's, there's nothing said about it. You know, I want the shot, but uh, they're, they're still stuck on that 70 four months ago. Okay. Uh, well, we'll have a look into it. Um, if you, again, I don't want to get into your medical history. There's other ways you can qualify for it. Uh, it's strange they were so set on not giving it to you. Okay. Any, anything else you want to add about this? Because I can imagine that's so frustrating. As you say, you drive around 100 kilometers when you count yeah. back and forth. No, uh, I, I, yeah. I, I have no other issues with health problems. I only just, just want to get that shot. Okay. Well, I hope you get it. I'll dig into the guidelines for you, and uh, we'll keep uh, an eye on this. And if you get more information you want to share, please give us a call. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure our new minister of health. I suppose he's listening to you today. Uh, get on the ball and start setting some appointments for us, 65 and plus. We need a shot. Well, and and you know, it's good to hear people who want the shot because I think again we've got a big uh, vaccine debate going here. But I think it's hard to refute the fact that vaccines have made a significant difference in uh-huh. managing COVID and keeping more people safe than not having the vaccines. Uh, so, what, somebody who is of the right age range and wants one, yeah, let's find a way to get you a shot. Thank you for your call today. Thank you. All right, uh, and I will check that. Uh, now, uh, Fogo Island, uh, or Fogo Mayor Andrew Shea. Mayor Shea, how are you? Yeah, good morning. Fine. Um, how are you, Tim? I am good. i got to tell you this. I know you want to talk about a serious issue of the emergency room closure, and I followed that story. But I was in Boston in April. I was doing the Boston Marathon. I was running, going out to the race, sat next to a girl. Uh, we got talking. She, uh, from the Boston area, she was actually heading. She may have already gotten to Fogo Island this summer yep. and was planning a, a, a week-long trip through the pro- two-week-long trip through the province, including three or four days in 
and Fogo. So when I think of her and I think of others and I think of everybody in that community, uh, for the international destination that you've become, you certainly don't have world-class uh, medical services, infrastructure services, and that's got to be frustrating. Yeah, it certainly is. So tell us about what's the, the update on emergency yeah, I, I want to make a, a positive note first. Okay, yeah, please, please. To say a positive note, I want to congratulate the uh, Department of Transportation for uh, probably having in place now the best ferry schedule we ever had. Really? God, yeah, that's the first I've heard doing this show. Okay, what's made the difference? Well, they've, uh, they've we've got two boats on. We've had them on before, but the way they're operating, one goes after the other, so there's basically no, you know, there's no people left. If there's anyone left now, the boat is filled. But before, one boat would be going to one island, one boat would be going to another island, and, uh, you know, they wouldn't take the passengers for the other islands, like. So now mm-hmm. the boats take do boat islands and... You know, there's going to be time there's fear that people left, but, you know, that's one thing they've done. And also, the smaller boat does the dangerous goods and stuff like that, whereas the bigger one used to do it before. So I think they finally got it right. So it's nice to say something like that. It, it absolutely is so nice to say something yep. like that. Glad, glad you can say that. So let's go on to the less positive well, news, the state of your emergency room. What's going yeah, on and, there? Uh, yeah, there's a couple of topics here, too, that we really need to cover because it's vital that the rest of people in Newfoundland know yeah, those go things, ahead. especially the second thing. Uh, the emergency center, well, we, we have regular contact with the uh, central health, and we were told that we had locums up till the middle of August. And there's a short period that we weren't filled, but they probably could do it before that. So on Thursday night, I went to a, a council meeting, and uh, someone told me that the the uh, emergency services was going to be closed for four days on the weekend, you know, from up till Tuesday or something of that nature. No, we've never been contacted by by uh, by a Central Health that it was closing because we need our fire brigade put on extra alert because they'll be doing some of the calls and, and some of the emergencies. And not only that, but, you know, like, you got to be taken off the oven, right? So we were closed for four days. So we have to call 911 now if we got an emergency, and then the ambulance takes you to Fog- takes you to Gander or Grand Falls somewhere, which is about four to five hours. Now, one of the questions I got today, and I know it can't be answered, is if we call 911, does 911 have the power to call the ferry and put the ferry on notice if it's in the night? You know what I mean? Yeah, it, 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 no idea, and you don't no, know No, no, but that's something I put out there. But, but the thing is, this morning now on social media, we found out that from today – until Friday, uh, 2 o'clock, we got virtual service. So that means we still got Nader Doctor. Jesus. And from 2 o'clock on Friday to 8 o'clock, emergency service is closed. So now we're gone into over a week when we were told in the beginning that we would have a few days, you know, in August that they could probably fix by that time that we wouldn't, wouldn't miss a doctor. And now all of a sudden, there's nobody. You know, where did, where did those doctors go who were coming here? That's the question and answer. You know, like what's happening to the doctors that were scheduled here? Why aren't they coming? And if you have, and have you had any luck uh, recruiting anybody to come and do family practice in Fogo since you lost your physician? We've had some calls. Like we've been, we've been, you know, on social media uh, um, and and passed it on to Central Health. But there's nobody yet. But there's nobody anywhere. Like seems like there's more and more centers closing. Like there was five more closed this this uh, weekend. Five other centers besides us had emergency service only. You know, so it's getting to be, a, it's the problem is magnifying itself every day. 
Mm-hmm. It's terrible. So, you know, like this is this is just one of the, the things, you know, like we got a four to five hour trip to Gander in the night if it's an emergency. So I, I think the least they could have is a helicopter on standby for places like Harbour Britain and Fogo Island and things like that so they could move you out so you'd have a chance because people are going to die because of this. People are definitely going to die because of this. And then a question that's always sort of stuck, stuck with me, is there a, a private solution to this? You know, in mining towns, they bring in their the doctors and the, the mining company play, pays for this. Given And again, everything shouldn't rest on Zeta Cobb's shoulders. I'm not saying that. But given you are becoming a, a, a an international destination, is there any thought that it, there's potentially a corporation, uh, a consortium of people who could pay to bring a doctor in or is it just finding the doctor yeah finding the doctor is a problem but the problem with our system in newfoundland is preventing the doctors from coming here one time we had three doctors when we had the old hospital we had three doctors here now we got neither one but the problem is is that one doctor comes he takes all the patients and this is for the other centers the same and he makes like eight hundred thousand a year and the other fellow can't make a living so he can't stay here until we change the way we pay our doctors, if, we, if we're paying out $1.2 million to doctors, why don't we pay three doctors 400000 a year? provide them with housing. we got yeah. housing here, so why can't we do that? Yeah, there's ways to be creative, and uh, yeah, I think that's you know, an important And they're not message. being very creative, right? But I, I, I want to go on to another topic. Yeah, i got about a minute, Mayor, because we got to go yeah, to news. We, we need to talk minute. about this topic. The, calling the emergency system at Gander does not work anymore. If you call in on a week, they'll tell you they won't take an appointment for it if it's filled for that week, so you got to call the next week. If you call the next week, it's filled. I know a lady who's sick now, wants to see a doctor. She called Gander, she called Grand Falls, and she had to call 811. So she called 811, and in the middle of the night, around 3 o'clock in the morning, she had a call. She didn't hear it, so she called back, and they said, sorry, you'll have to make another appointment. That's how bad it's got now. That's how bad it's got. There's so many people calling in for appointments that they don't have the doctors to handle that. And now you've got to call 811 if you want to see a doctor. It's just, it's just getting right out of hand. It's deteriorating at a rate that's frightening. It's frightening for people in those communities here where we're living now. It's absolutely frightening because you don't know what you're going to hear tomorrow. And, uh, and and that and that is so difficult for people with all the uncertainty that's gripping us, and particularly in Fogo, you're trying to break out of that and provide certainty in other ways. It's uh, you're taxing people's mental health to a large degree. Definitely. Uh, that, all right, got to leave it leave it there, Mayor Shea. Thank you for the call. Thank you. Bye. Bye. All right. I'm going to go right to news. When we come back, I've got some information on booster doses that we were talking about earlier, but I'll hand over to Brian Madour for the VOCM News. Back with you after that. Weekday mornings from 530 to 9. Jumpstart your day with Jerry Lynn Mackey and Ben Murphy. Newsmakers, traffic, weather, and more during your VOCM morning show. Welcome back to Open Line. So just following up on the conversation we had before, Mayor Shea, about um, COVID booster, second booster dose eligibility. People call it the fourth shot. It is a fourth shot. If you've had the previous three, it's a second booster, just to get into the nomenclature on it all. So um, just to be clear, so Canada's uh national advisory committee on immunization it was last week i think it was or two weeks ago recommended that all uh, that likely all people over the age of 12 uh should be um 
should get a fourth booster shot. Timing for that has varied. Um, Our fourth shot, second booster in Newfoundland and Labrador. You people who are eligible uh, for the second booster uh, are immunocompromised patients age 12 or older with at least 22 weeks after receiving their third dose and also I stand corrected, people over the age of 70 right now. So you better check if you're going in. Uh, that may change. We're trying to get Dr. Fitzgerald and others uh, on to talk about this in the next couple of days. Clearly will change in terms of timing if Newfoundland follows uh, NACI's recommendation, which we expect they will because they followed all previous uh, recommendations in that area to the best of my knowledge. Now... Let me go to the line. I've got uh, someone on the line who wants to talk about graffiti. I haven't talked about graffiti in a long time. Hello, what's going on with the graffiti? Are you there? Yes, I'm here. Okay, tell me what uh, what specifically is on your mind about graffiti. Um, I'm just really surprised. Nobody, um, I listen to your show every day, so I'm a little bit nervous. Um, but dry, I, I do a lot of driving, and it seems like um, the spray painting and stuff is just, like, getting out of control. I don't know if these guys, like, stay up all night. or And I've seen, uh, you know, like, places where they got it. Like, I've seen on the side of people's houses how that don't get brought up. I don't know. But they go out and they just paint over it. And hope for next time they won't do it. But down down around downtown area, um, where the old CBC buildings yes, and whatnot. Yes, yeah, Duckworth, on Duckworth there, yeah. On Duckworth, yeah. Like it's crazy. Everything you look at is all these big painting of of nothing. Um, and I, I think about the beautiful murals they have around town. Yeah. Um, one going up Shea Heights, one on Duckworth. I don't think they've touched them yet, but I'm thinking it's probably coming. Um, and even like the electric boxes all over the city, they they have these beautiful little murals put on, and they come along and they spray paint them. Um, I just don't understand why nobody is complaining or I don't know who to complain to. Is it the city? What can they do about it? But I, I can tell you, if anybody put graffiti on my house, I'd be very, very upset. Yeah, I remember. And, I, I, you're right. I, so my mom's home is down in that part of town. I go down Duckworth Street a lot. And you're right. There's a, also a great um, um, mural by the um, LSPU Hall, I think is the one you're talking about yeah. there. It's, it's fantastic. But that CBC, old CBC building, always seems to be a target for people in spray paint. I never get the why. Like, I, I, I get why artists want to do it. I guess kids are still kids, and they're not always kids that are doing this. I don't want to, you know, get all ageist on, on all of that. But I don't know what the, you know, what what why you get off on graffiti. Um, and it is expensive. It's a pain to clean, and you're constantly doing it. And we're trying to bring city to the people to the city it's not a form of urban art it's just messy yeah like don't they have cameras and stuff set up downtown can they see these guys on camera and uh, the the mess that they make looks the same thing um everywhere else 
So is it the same people doing it? Uh, I just think it's a shame because we have all these tourists. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed so far today, I've seen three of the electrical boxes, and it's just like paint. Someone threw a bucket of paint at it and covered up the cute murals that they put on it. Not, you know, in, in consideration, too, that somebody put those on there to make it, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, um, pretty. It's even yeah. interesting to see how they do them, right? But if I had someone come along and do that to my property or whatever, um, uh, yeah, I'd be pretty upset. Yeah, no, it's. Uh, I, I agree with you. Well, I'm glad you raised it. If we uh, find out any more, I, I don't think there are a lot of security cameras, particularly on Duckworth Street, at least on the streets there. I mean, a lot of yeah. other uh, metropolitan areas, they're they're there, but uh, um, not, but there's a not cost. Not for that reason. Yeah, but Probably. not for that reason exactly. They're they're there for other security reasons. All right, appreciate the call. Yeah, thank you. Just yeah, okay, I agree thank with you. you. Okay, you're welcome. Yeah, well, graffiti artists or just graffiti vigilantes, why are you doing all that? Give us a call. You could be anonymous too. All right, Don Norman's on the phone. He's found some uh, couch cushion. Tell us about that. Yes, I was on their route 230 Saturday at 11.30. I picked up a, a cushion went on to a chest appeal. Okay. And I want I want to let the owner know that I got it at my house, and if you want to pick it up or call or anybody knows somebody that lost it, you can call me at 464-3354. I have the cushion picked up, and it's in good, excellent condition, right? So if you need it, so you can call me at that number. All right, good man. How was the road, by the way? When the, Was the cushion damaged by the road in the end? Because we've been hearing a lot about bad roads this morning. <laughs> no, no, there, there wasn't any road big enough for the cushion to go down into. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're glad you the cushion survived and you ca- you called. Appreciate it, Don. Thank you. Yeah, the pavement was, was dry and, and the cushion wasn't damaged in any way, you know. Okay, it didn't get eaten by a pothole. All right, you must live in a part of the <laughs> no. province where they look after the roads. All right, thank you, Don. Oh, well, well, I was pretty good. He went down around. He passed a lot of holes going down on Route 230 for the midway down. So did a pretty good job, I must say, but it took a long time to get it done. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'll be our new test. We'll have the Newfoundland Labrador Transportation Department drive around with cushions. If the cushion survives yeah. the roads, fine. You don't have to pave it. Oh, All yeah, right. That's right. Well, Good man. Saying, uh, thank you very much for taking my call. You're welcome. All right. Time for a break here on VOCM's Open Line. we got about 45 minutes left. Give us a call. Whether you got discarded cushions, you're a graffiti artist, or you want to talk about anything under the sun or the fog, we're here for you. Back shortly. Welcome back. Well, it's certainly a day where municipal affairs are front and center. Just going to say, tomorrow, I think we have both the mayor of Mount Pearl and uh, the leader of the QP union on to talk about the strike maybe it's resolved by then so they'll all be joy and laughter uh doesn't seem like it right now but anyway we'll get on that tomorrow one of them today just didn't work out with schedules but i do have george on the line george you have a sewer issue in gambo tell us about it yes i do okay tell us about it well it uh, happened around the last of uh, november the first of december Okay. <clears throat> they had a sewer back up on a, a branch line. And, of course, the whole works would come out in my basement. 
how long it was running, I don't know. I, I, I don't think I'll tell you a lie if I say it was two hours. Oh, my goodness. And it ended up that I had, well, I had a subfloor in the basement, in the floor, and it ended up, it cost me just about $5,000 for the sewer run to get the stink and the sewer and everything out of the basement. And I sit around and I send I give the town the, the bill, and they come back, first they come back, they were going to help me. I understood they did anyhow. And then they sit around and come back and said, no. The insurance so, turned me down. Wh- so why, what was the rationale for turning you down? And I don't know, sir. That's something I cannot find out. And I've phoned several times, and now they won't even answer the phone. And why did you go to them in the first place? Because they, the, was it their sewer line, or it's a municipal sewer line that broke, I mean, which would be theirs, which broke in your home? Who owns the uh, sewer line? No, it was the... It was their line, their main line, not the main line in the town, but a okay. branch on on a on a road, on a on a on a branch road, forest road. And of course, that one plugged up, and I got to work it in the to uh, back to my line, we are called, mm-hmm. in the basement. And uh, I. Yes, they're probably worried about liability, but they probably have some liability there because I'm sure there are some lawyers telling them if you pay this guy and because this happened that then you're going to have to pay the next person. Um, have, has anything like this ever happened to you there before or anybody else no, that you know of? Not that I know anything about, but. Huh. Have you talked to your MHA about it as well? Or I not? phoned him and... Well, he won't talk to me. I'm not high enough up for, for him to, to sue run and, and talk to me private, you know. But I was talking to his, I suppose, his secretary. Okay. And he uh, numbered on that, eh? And so, they, so when you first went over, why did they, or what made you think they were going to help out? Or they said, we'll look at this. He How told did me. That... I was talking okay. to, the, I was talking to the, the town manager. Okay. And I understood from her that she was going to children and help me. That was first when it happened. Okay. But after then, she come back and said no, that the insurance turned me down. Although uh, uh, I was stood around and talking to him, and I asked him why I turned me down. And he tells me that he don't know who turned me down or why I was turned down. <laughs> Which makes it more annoying. It'd be nice if you could get a clear reason for the no. I mean, you want the check, but at least if they gave you a reason for the no that made sense, it would be helpful. But it's the invisible person who turned you down. You don't know who that is. No. Oh, my. I, I would say to the town, to the, the crowd down in the town, should run turn me down. Mm-hmm. You know, I should run and wrote a letter to them, and I don't know if they just, they just discussed it in uh, open council meeting or if the town manager should run to, to the shredder. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Well, uh, glad you raised it today. Uh, I mean, if anybody has anything they want to share on all of that, it sounds like uh, at, yes, at a minimum. Like, uh, if ahead. somebody out there had the same problem, you know, and, yeah. and uh, what they done about it or what 
he could do it, but whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think at a minimum, you may never get your money. You're probably not going to get your money, but you should get a transparent answer as to why not uh, and why they made decision not to do it as opposed to get yeah. uh, the runaround you're but describing. At a minimum, they should get that. Your taxpayer. Not on my, mm-hmm. my branch. That one wasn't plugged because it all come into the best one. But it was right. on their main line. Now, I don't know if their main line is 8 or 10 or what. In diameter, you know. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure they have some legal contract that says yeah, that and, uh, they can provide uh, uh, you he service. Had, he had to sue around and, and uh, get a truck from Gander to come out and clear the line. My God, must have been some awful stink <laughs> and mess. <laughs> Poor. I tell you, the other, the crowd I had, uh, Barefoot, I believe their name. Okay. Uh, and uh, he had to come back. Three times for the sewer and sanitize the, the basement to try to get the sink and everything out of it. Oh, my God. Uh, hey. Never want to be bombarded by sewer. Uh, anyway, <laughs> thank, thanks thanks for the call. Thanks for letting us know. We'll, uh, if we can find anything more out for you, we, we will do that. Yeah, yeah, probably somebody listening might probably uh, had the same problem or something like that, you know. Yeah, they, they might, and they're welcome to call in. All right, thank yeah. you, George. Okay, sir. Take care. Bye. Bye. If you know the sort of tale of Sewer and Gambo and all that George went through, give us a call. Uh, (laughs) We all know Newfoundlanders can be full of sewer or an S-sounding word, but who wants sewer parked on your floor, as was the case with George? All right, Ray, you want to talk about old age security payouts. Tell us about that. Uh, I would prefer to call it senior benefits. Okay. Uh, I've been talking to some people uh, that are over 75. Now, I'm not in that uh, bracket myself, but uh, you see senior citizens at age 75. A lot of senior citizens do not go to the bank anymore. No, that's right. And uh, then they don't get notified, hey, there's been... uh, uh, that $500 bonus put into your account, and uh, therefore they're not up to date with uh, phoning the bank and getting uh, the story from it. And Don't they know, get, Ray, I, I was just going to, when you're saying this, so there's two important points. Sorry to interrupt you, but I want to get them in at the front end so people understand. Yeah, yes. m- more often than not, the government of Canada, when it is giving you something in terms of a refund or, a, a, or as you say, uh, the, 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 the seniors' payment, as you described it, they do a direct deposit. They don't send checks anymore. But do you not get, is there no other, sometimes they will, I know with tax refunds, you get a statement from CRA saying, you know, X amount is entitled or you're due, and you, it's going to be shipped directly to your bank. Do you get any confirmation of payment slip at all? I, I, I'm speaking for other people. Okay. So uh, what I've been told is they have no idea. Okay. Uh, they never got notification. Uh, they never had uh, $500 put into their account. And uh, they were uh, a lot of those people were expecting when it was announced last year. Mm-hmm. And now, uh, mid year, they said it will be on July of this year. Okay. So, there's some people that are disgruntled. 
that they have no notification that there was a payment made there. And, um, you know, they get very frustrated with a system that's uh, making statements and they uh, believe that the government is not following through on their statements. Because they don't know the money's there, yeah. No. And uh, not only that, like, I uh, had an understanding that senior citizens were going to get... Did you ever hear tell of the senior citizens getting an extra 10% on their paychecks? I believe that's in reference, yeah, the government of... I don't know if it was in their pay... The, 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 yes, the government of Newfoundland was going to... Uh, and I, I don't know if they have or they haven't, but certainly mm-hmm. that was one of the uh, measures that was brought in by the provincial government uh, top, yes. helping top up seniors' income uh, to deal yes. with inflation. So I don't know what the timing is on that. I can check for you. Anything for a vote, I guess. But in the meantime, <laughs> new now, never, Ray. You've been around for a while. You don't think politicians act that way, do they? <laughs> well, uh, I actually talked to a couple of uh, honest politicians mm-hmm. in my years on this world, <laughs> this planet. But in the meantime, uh, uh, it would be interesting uh, to have a follow-up, I looked on my computer and it said uh, seniors over 75 to receive $500 one-time payment, da-da-da-da. But I never actually seen the date that they were going to get it. So, you know, uh, uh, just curious, and I would imagine there are a, a few people over 75 if they did get it, that don't know they got it. Yep. And if they didn't get it, are wondering why the promises and uh, uh, looking forward to that and uh, having to stretch their heat bill and their grocery bill because uh, things are not uh, simmering down. We have another three quarters of a percent going on to the interest rate here in the country. The inflation rate is up over 7% and going to climb higher, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, and uh, while everything else is at a standstill with the people who worked hard to build this country, I mean, it was the workers, the backbone of this country uh, years ago, but uh, things have taken a, a, a drastic change. Yeah, no, for I, sure they have. Uh, I don't see where you find too much labor work out there. If there's anything uh, to be dug or anything like that, there's all kinds of equipment and technologies that take care of all this. And uh, uh, no matter where you turn in the car plants, of course, they got. you can walk through uh, an automotive plant now uh, that's acres and acres, mm-hmm. and not even speak to a person because they got these welding machines and these robots. And but there's still, uh, as you point out, there's still significant labor shortages in many areas. And ju- just oh to, yes, uh, uh, so yes. there's the labor shortages due to the fact that now how can young people today go out into the labor force at fifteen dollars an hour? pay $700 a month for an apartment, pay another probably two or $300 a 